Take your Bibles this morning, please. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9. The song of invitation this morning after our study is going to be from uh, the hymns, number 281, The Savior is Waiting. We have been uh, talking about the need to grow in Christ, and as we began the first of the year discussing our need to grow in Christ, uh, we're going to continue that this morning, talk about the need to grow in our knowledge of God's Word, knowledge of God Himself. So, Colossians 1.9 is going to be the beginning place of our study. We have already discussed the need to you know, understand what it means to be a Christian. I tell you, today there are a lot of different ideas of what that means. Some folks think that to become a Christian means that everything in life is just going to be rosy from then on. You know, everything's going to fall into place for me perfectly in life. I'm going to be happy and plenty of money, you know, plenty of, plenty of nice things. Now, the Lord has promised to give us our needs. But you know, throughout the scripture, the apostles are writing to troubled, persecuted, suffering Christians. That's the way it's always been for the people of God, because as in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul said... Whoever lives, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. That's just the way it is. So we talked about that, the need to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow Jesus and what that really means. We talked about what we have in Christ. Is it worth it? Well, absolutely it's worth it. What we have in Jesus Christ cannot be actually explained nor understood. The peace of God that passes understanding is something we can't explain, but it's there and it's in Christ. And so all the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ. This morning, what does it mean to understand God, to learn what he, who He is and what He has done for us and what we are to do in order to be pleasing to Him? Are we increasing in the knowledge of God as we ought to be each day? In Colossians 1 and verse 9, Paul says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled, not just you know, infused a little, but filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We talked about this passage in our, in our study this morning, didn't we? We emphasize the need first and foremost to be filled with the knowledge of God that we may walk worthy. We are to have this wisdom, be filled with the wisdom of God so that we may know how to apply the knowledge that we have so that we can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. We need to understand. And part of that understanding, we pointed out this morning, you know, how many times do we ask the question, why, when something happens in our life? There are some things we are not going to ever completely understand, but this is the one thing we can come to fully understand, that God is in control, and that we need to trust Him. Uh, the Israelites did not understand, I'm sure, why God told them to march around Jericho for six days. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times. They didn't understand, but you know what they come to learn and understand is that God is in control, and if we do what God says, we'll be blessed. That's what we need to understand. We need to fully understand His will. And come to the spiritual understanding. And sometimes spiritual discernment takes uh, a lot more time than 
we're willing, willing to give. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. We are strengthened through our knowledge and understanding of God. According to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, it will help us to persevere through the hard times. So we truly need to give God thanks. So we, we talked about this passage really in our Bible class this morning. Now we're going to turn our attention to 2 Peter chapter 3, which was read a little earlier by Brother uh, Wesley. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Growing in our knowledge of, of the Lord is absolutely essential to our pleasing God, our bearing fruit for God in Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, but also for our steadfastness and for our ability to understand that which is wrong. You know, last Wednesday night, those of you who were here, we were talking, uh, there. we were in Acts, the... Uh, 24th chapter, and we were studying some things and came up um, about discernment. And I mentioned on Facebook, I, I posted this link to this article in Virginia, this church. They, they were a nudist church. And uh, they, when they came in the door, they took their clothes off. And they worshiped God in the nude. And I, I posted this, and there were actually people on a Facebook group that I'm part of that tried to defend that. So what's wrong with that? How much spiritual discernment does a person need in order to understand that that's not right? I mean, it doesn't take a lot. But uh, seemingly some people don't even have that much. Our knowledge, and it really begins with this, our knowledge of God himself. Our knowledge and understanding of God himself will have a direct bearing on our response to him. Our behavior, our actions will be directly linked to our knowledge and our understanding of God himself. Who is God? Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter. In the book of Isaiah, the, the prophet here is, is being commissioned by the Lord to proclaim his word to a people who... And how would you like to be this preacher? God comes to you and says, I want you to go and preach this to the people, but know this, they're not going to listen to a thing you say. How would you like to be that preacher? But notice in Isaiah chapter 6, and as you go down, verse 2, it says, Above it stood seraphim, above which one each, which each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with the two he flew. And one cried, another said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke, so I said, Woe is me, I am undone. 
because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If you were Isaiah in that position and you saw all of this and you heard this, how would your response be? But do we not realize that we are in the presence of this very same God? Now, yes, He is a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. But He's also a God of righteousness, a God of holiness. He is just. But this God cannot fellowship that which is evil and that which is rebellious. He cannot because of who he is. Our knowledge of God himself will affect our life. And if we truly see God as he is, how is that going to play out in our everyday life? In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, God says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why would people turn away from God? Number one, they don't understand who he is. Not really. They don't trust him. They don't believe in him. Our knowledge of God himself will have a direct bearing on our life. In Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now this isn't a fear in which, you know, we're scared to do anything at all. We're shaking in our boots. Although, if we're not doing right, that's the attitude that we ought to have. We ought to be shaking in our boots if we're not doing what is right. But this healthy fear of God is to be in awe of him. It is to respect Him and give Him the honor that is due Him. And my friend, we cannot honor God if we do not obey Him. Disobedience is a slap in the Lord God's face. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again in Proverbs 9 and verse 10. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. We're going to start a study tonight on the book of Ecclesiastes. You can thank Larry Billings for that. He mentioned he's been studying and reading Ecclesiastes and loved it. So we're going to start a study tonight on the book of Ecclesiastes. What's the conclusion of that entire book? What's the whole point? The whole point is fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is man's all. This is our purpose, to fear him and to keep his commandments. We can only know. Here's another important point. We can only know what God has revealed. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that God has revealed are for us. I posted on Facebook the other day uh, the need for us to look to God's Word to find all of the truth that He has revealed about Himself and for us. That we need a greater understanding and knowledge of God's Word. I posted this in that group that I've told you about uh, those of you who are here on a regular basis, you, you've heard me mention this Facebook group. There were people who really took issue with that statement that I made. In fact, one guy told me that I was insane. And these are professed Christians, by the way. I'm insane because I believe that God has revealed himself in the Scriptures and completely revealed himself in the Scriptures and that all the truth abides in the Scriptures that we can know and understand. You know, this was one of the primary teachings of the reformers. Martin Luther and John Calvin and all of them believed in sola scriptura. 
the Word of God. We have so demoted the Word of God in our culture, in our society, now it's everybody do what you want to do. And we have taken the place of the Holy Spirit out of His revelation and His inspired Word and working through that Word and revelation of God. And we've now put Him over into this subjective field where now people like the Mormons, they think that they have the Holy Spirit and the Catholics think they have the Holy Spirit and everybody is guided by the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is they want to do instead of actually following what the Holy Spirit said. And we need to get back to what the Holy Spirit actually said. There is an objective standard that we are to follow. And we can only know what has been revealed about God. You know, another thing about this is there are some questions we may have about God himself that we're not going to answer, be able to answer, not capable of answering, not capable of understanding if we could answer it. Uh, because God is so much higher than we are. However... That which God has revealed, he wants us to know. And he wants us to understand those things. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. What about our knowledge of God? Is it what it ought to be? If we're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, if we're truly going to follow him in life, we must know what he says. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Isaiah 58, or 55 verses 8 and 9. We, we can't know uh, what God wants us to do uh, or what God wants us to believe even unless we look to his thoughts that he's revealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, the Apostle Paul talks about, uh, about preaching. And he says that God has decided to save people through preaching. Now, what does that mean? Uh, now, to the Jews, that was nonsense, right? They, they didn't... They didn't get that part. They didn't understand it. it. It wasn't according to what they thought. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Now listen. Paul talks about three people who are supposed to be in the know. Where are the wise? Where are the wise men? We have a lot of wise men today. How much of them are really wise? Very few of them. Most of them are wise in their own eyes. We have a lot of people who have a lot of intellectual knowledge. You take men who are scientists, who are... Uh, very uh, well known and respected in the field of science. Most of the, at least the ones who are highly exalted are all atheists. None of them believe in God. How wise are they? Just because a person is smart doesn't mean, mean that he has the truth, knows the truth, or even wants it. 
For since the wisdom of the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 1 Corinthians 1, 20. Now, God's ways cannot be known apart from His revelation. In chapter 2 and verse 13, he makes the similar point. And by, by the way, chapter 2 is dealing with the inspiration that had been given to the apostles. And the result of that inspiration is these words were being spoken, being taught to men. Notice in verse 13 it says, These things we, that's the apostles, we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Paul didn't get his teaching from men, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things to spiritual. In that passage, he's talking about inspiration. The source of what he taught. In Ephesians 3, and verses 3 through 5, Paul also emphasizes the Spirit being the source of his knowledge. He says, these things I have written down, that when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You want to know what Paul knew? Read what Paul wrote. The knowledge of God is found in his revelation of himself. We must know what he has revealed in order to be pleasing to him. That's why he gave it to us. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, Be diligent. The King James says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. The word dividing does not mean to divide asunder. The word dividing means actually, the Greek word means to handle correctly. We're to handle the word of God correctly. A lot of people mishandle the Word of God, as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3. They twist it. They pervert it. We must handle it correctly. We must give our time reading it and studying it. You know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, to spend his time in meditation and reading and studying the Word of God. Now, if a man, Timothy was a man inspired by the Holy Spirit. He had miraculous spiritual gifts. And if Paul told him to spend his time reading and meditating on the things written, then how much more should I? In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, Peter says, Speak as the oracles of God. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. How do you speak as the oracles of God? Had another fellow on Facebook respond to that same post that I made about the scriptures. He said, Paul is dead. Peter is dead. He says, in 2019, the Lord has sent me. He's talking about himself. Yeah, shake, no. Paul is still living through his world. Paul's still alive, by the way. So is Peter. But the reality is, these men wrote the scripture, wrote the will of God. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit instructed them to write these things down so that we would have them. And when I speak as they spoke, I'm speaking as the oracles of God. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, you know, the prophet said, Thus says the Lord. How can you, my friends, say, Thus says the Lord? Don't we need to appeal more to a thus saith the Lord for what we do? For what we believe, shouldn't we appeal to a thus says the Lord? My belief should not be based upon what I feel or what I think. My belief needs to be based upon what God says. Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? 
by the Word of God. The Word of God should be and must be the source of my faith. For everything I believe, for everything that I teach, and for everything I practice, I need to be able to go to God's Word, and I need to put my finger on it and say, this is where God says this. This is where God approves of this. Now, I know He doesn't speak on everything specifically, but all the principles are there. And that's going back to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for what we teach, for doctrine, for reproof, that is to prove what we believe, actually, that's the idea. To rebuke, that is to rebuke those things that are wrong. For instruction in righteousness, to teach us what is right and how, and how to please God. That's what it's for. God desires that we understand His will. And He tells us to in Ephesians 5, verse 6, 17. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And here's, a, here's something that I think we all need to really grasp, understand. The Bible, although there are difficult parts to it, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but the reality is the basics are easy enough to comprehend for anyone who wants to know the will of God. In John 6 and verse 44, Jesus says, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now verse 45, though, tells us that all who are taught of God comes to me. Those who are taught by God comes to me. They, they're the ones who receive that teaching. They believe what God says. Everyone who believes what God says is going to come to Jesus, is the point. This is verified back in chapter 5. The Jews rejected Jesus. Why? Because they did not believe. They did not believe John's testimony concerning him. They did not believe the miracles that Jesus did. And as Jesus points out, if you would have believed Moses, you would have believed me. They didn't believe Moses either. That's why they could not come to Jesus. They didn't believe God. But the reality and the thing that we all need to realize is if we want to know God, if we want to know His way, His truth, we'll know it. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So how do we come to a knowledge of God's Word? Quickly, I want to point out just a couple of things, and the lesson will be yours. Develop. Number one, we need to develop a hunger for God's Word. You know, going back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3, Peter talked about, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. Now, there are some things we may have to do first, you know, before we are satisfied with that. We need to get rid of some things out of our life. Laying aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. Got my great-nephew here, Emmett. Where'd he go? He's back there. Brianna took him back in the back. Surprise visit. I wasn't surprised, by the way. But good to have my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, my niece, my nephew, and my niece, my niece-in-law and my nephew-in-law, Devin. Good to have everybody here. But well, that baby, Emmett, he's probably, he's probably hungry, isn't he? He desires that, sin, that milk. Well, that's the idea that we 
need to grasp regarding God's word. We need, to, we need a hunger for it. And in Matthew 5 and verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are the, those who, are, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. The words hunger and thirst do not simply mean, you know, I've got an appetite for it. Picture yourself in the desert without water for five days. There's the idea. You are desperate to fill up on the things of God. Another key to knowing and increasing in the knowledge of God is the desire to obey God's will. Listen, John 7, 17, Jesus said, If anyone wills to do his will... He shall know concerning the doctrine, the teaching. He'll know whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. One of the keys to understanding God's word is the desire to obey it. A person who is proud and selfish is going to have a hard time understanding God's will. That's why Matthew 5 and verse 3, the emphasis says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the beginning place. A person must be humble enough to receive God's word. James 1 and verse 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. We need diligence. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace. Now, this is in the context that we have already read regarding increasing in the knowledge of, of Christ. We need to be diligent to be found in Him or by Him in peace. How do we do that? Now, this concept of diligence often is applied to the concept of knowledge, of gaining in knowledge. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, giving all diligence, or giving diligence, being diligent, or as King James says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth or handling aright the word of truth. Acts 17 and verse 11, the Bereans, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things that they were taught were so. They searched the scriptures daily. To grow spiritually, I have to be diligent. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity, charity, and brotherly kindness charity. For if you do these things, he says, you will never stumble. Our seeking of God's revealed way is the, a reflection of our love for God himself. You know, you cannot read the Psalms without getting this point over and over again. David is spoken of as a man after God's own heart, right? You know what one of the keys to that being true is David's attitude towards the Word of God. David says in the book of Psalms 119, over and over again, verse 11 he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says in verse 25, My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. He says in verse 
97, O love I your law, it is my meditation all the day. You through your commandments make me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for, your, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to the mouth. Though, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Is that our attitude towards the Word of God? Another fellow on Facebook accused me of worshiping the Bible, being a bible oliter. That's what he said. That's his word, not mine. I do love the Bible. I do love the Word of God. I don't worship the Word of God. I worship the author of the Word. But you cannot worship the author of the Word without worshiping through His Word, according to His Word, in keeping with His Word. The Word of God is the revelation of Him. How can you worship God and not love His Word? How is that possible? We need to love God's Word. Now listen, God is patient with us, going back to 2 Peter chapter 3. God is long-suffering. You know, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he makes the point that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God's purpose of revealing Himself is that we may come to Him. That's why we have His Word. That's why through His sovereignty, He has preserved His Word. God wants us to know it, to learn of Him. He desires that we all come to a knowledge of the truth that we might be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Jesus, as He looked over Jerusalem in Matthew 23 verse 37, He was weeping as He said, I would have, I would have taken you under my wing as a chick, or as a hen would take her chicks under her wing, but you were not willing. God desires that we come to a knowledge of the truth, that we might receive His blessings. God has given us everything that we need. It's all there. It's all in Christ. It's there. Will we take it? God's desire is that we do. And those who truly do love Him will be saved. Do you love the Lord? Here's the opposite side of that coin, though. Those who do not love the Lord will not be saved. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verses 10 through 12, Paul says this, And with all unrighteous deception among those who, who perish, because they do not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, God's not going to send this strong delusion to somebody that loves him and that loves the truth. But a person who does not love him and does not love the truth, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. 
how strong of a delusion will that delusion feel? How real will that delusion be? That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now we get a better, little better sense of what it means not to love God. Those who are selfish and loving themselves, they want to do what they want to do. They reject God's authority. They don't care about what God says. That's the person that's in serious jeopardy. Those who do not love the truth and do not desire to obey the truth will be lost. By their own choice. Because that's the end of that road. People have this misconception that, well, God's just waiting to throw a bunch of people in hell. No. God has set forth two courses for everybody. And you get to choose. Will you go the way that leads to heaven or are you going to go to the way that leads to hell? That's your choice. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Which way are you going to go? Romans 1 and verses 18 through 26, the Gentiles did not glorify God as God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, they did, not, they did not love the Lord. And all those who do not love the Lord, let them be anathema. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, and following. Those who do not love the Lord, those, those who like their ears tickled, they don't receive the truth. Chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. John 3, verses 18 through 21. Those who love darkness hate the light. We need to love God's Word. We do have a choice. We can choose. Peter also talked about the hard to understand things. Those things will come as you continue to study and learn of God's Word. I don't know why in the world some people they like to start out studying the book of Revelation. I enjoy the book, but that's, that's not where you need to start reading your Bible and studying. Some like to start in the book of Romans. I love the book of Romans. I understand how it can be difficult. In fact, I think that's what Peter's talking about when he said that some of the things that the Apostle Paul wrote are difficult to understand. I think book, the book of Romans is kind of that way because of Paul's systematic theological argumentation as he goes through the book. It's a process from point to point. And if you jump into it anywhere in the middle, you're going to miss it. You've got to keep in, line, in mind the line of reasoning that Paul is making. So, but unbelievers, you know, and, and those who are ignorant and unstable are in trouble. We need to be open to learning what God says, but accepting the simple things first. And I think that is going to be the key Obey what you know. Do what God tells you to do where you are. You know, as Peter says, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Okay, do what you know. Stay where you are as far as your obedience and your holding on to the truth that you know. Stand fast there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul says, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Don't be pulled aside by these Judaizing teachers. The, found, the fundamental principle of Christianity is not difficult to understand. It's not hard. It may be hard to accept. It's not hard to comply with. Except for the proud. 
You know, the Word of God is actually kind of designed in which the proud will not want it anyway. But the humble will desire it and hunger for it. The difficulty is not in what it is or what it says. The difficulty is in our humbling ourselves to the point to where we'll do it and trust it. Trusting in the Lord God to the point that we will do whatever he says. Isn't that the key? Just being willing to trust God regardless of our understanding of it. The children of Israel trusted God enough to march around Jericho for six days. And then again on the seventh day. They trusted God enough. They didn't understand why. They didn't have to. When Jesus says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, let's stop arguing with him and just believe him. Let's just believe it when he does say, except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's what Jesus said, believe it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Believe that. We need to stand fast in what we know. The truth, fundamentally, is not difficult to understand. But if I'm unwilling to obey the clear teachings of Scripture, I will never understand the deeper things for sure. And spiritual discernment does take time. It, does, it takes effort. It takes trust. It takes trust in God and His will. So we do need to increase in our knowledge of God. We need to start where we are and increase. Now, none of us know everything there is to know. We do need to be aware there are false teachers, and they are everywhere these days, especially with the Internet. It's so easy to find all kinds of crazy, insane ideas. Talked to a fellow yesterday that was from the planet Lerma, or Lyra, Lyra, who God had sent here to guide people back to this faraway planet that he's supposed to be heaven. You, you never know. I mean, people come up with the craziest things. And people will believe those crazy things. There is a real danger of deception and false teaching. But you know what? If you know the truth, you're not going to be led astray by some fellow who's claiming to be from Lyra somewhere. You know that's not, not true. So let us, uh, let us first and foremost focus on focusing on the Word of God. You know, people say, well, I want to study all these other religions. Great. That's fine. I wouldn't recommend anybody digging into Islam until they first have a firm understanding of God's truth. I wouldn't recommend anyone digging into other religions. Let, you need to focus on the Word of God. Get that foundation under you. Then you can start studying other things. Other aspects of you know, different Christian beliefs. You need to know what God says first so that you'll have a, a foundation upon which to stand. And you'll be able to recognize the things that are not according to the Word of God. So you need to have that foundation first and foremost. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to grow. We need to grow. And the way that we do that is, again, we, we study God's Word. We read it. We apply it to our lives. We do it. And we continue to read and study and grow. Take advantages of the opportunities that, opportunities that we have, whether it's through our own personal Bible study, through attending worship services, Bible classes, and the things that are provided. Of course, the key is to be doers of the Word and not hearers only, James 1.22. So, we need to develop a hunger. Not only do we need to, need to develop a hunger, we also need a desire to do it. 
And then we need to continue to apply ourselves and we need to continue to make that and recommit ourselves to serving Christ. Doing whatever, it, doing whatever he says. And listen, here's another thing. Honesty is the most important thing. I need to be honest enough to be willing to accept the truth wherever it takes me. What is the truth? Wherever it leads me, that's what I want to do. Because I want to be pleasing to my God. What about us, my friends? Are, are we truly desiring the truth? Do we want to believe the truth? It does matter what you believe. Are we truly sincere in our desire to serve and worship God? Are we humble enough to accept whatever God says? Whatever our condition is this morning, wherever we are, we can all start this morning. We can start right now focusing back upon God and His Word that we may learn more about Him and how to please Him from this day forward. If we can help you this morning, if you need to obey the gospel, do what, do what they did in the New Testament. They preached the gospel. They preached who Jesus was. They preached who Jesus, what Jesus did. They preached that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that He's at the right hand of the Father. He is now Lord. And you need to obey Him. They preach that you need to believe Him, you need to obey Him. Will you do that this morning? If we can help you in any way, please come. Together we stay. Savior is waiting.